Have you ever wanted to quit? I mean, is that even a question, right? It's like, yeah, like every day, at least once a day, I'm like, I'm done. I'm out. I'm tapping out. Have you been in a situation where you're just like, I give up. I'm done with this. And uh, I remember uh, basketball, my 10th and 11th grade year, um, I had a coach that really was good at pushing us to our limit. And there were several times when I was just like, I'm walking out of this gym right now. And that's it. I'm done. Right? I can't run another sprint. I can't. <laughs> I can't do it. Uh, I remember in college um, coming to a couple breaking points. Um, the year before I married my wife Kimberly, uh, I worked nights. <laughs> um, so I was working nights. I was uh, going to school during the morning and practice in the afternoon and studies and sleep in the evening until I went to work. It was just w crazy. And I so badly wanted to just give up on the whole thing. If it wasn't for this beautiful woman, I would have quit. And, uh, but I was just like, I'm pressing in. I'm going to do it for her. And um, maybe you're here today. I just want to get real serious on you. Maybe you're here today and you want to quit on life. That's a real thing. In our day and age, there are people that are committing suicide regularly taking their own life, thinking there's nobody that loves me, there's no reason to go on. That is a lie from Satan. And uh, life isn't a box of chocolates. It isn't, a, you know, it isn't a bunch of roses. I understand life is hard, but God is good. And he puts you on here, and he'll take you home when he's ready. So don't give up. That's the title of the message. Never give up. I think we all need to hear that today because I think we all experience these feelings of doubt or it's hard or I'm helpless or this is hopeless. And in those times, we need to remember, never give up. All right? All right, now, I'm sure you relate. I'm seeing a lot of heads nod. Okay. Let's go to scripture and see it. John chapter 4. I want you to be encouraged from the word. I have a lot of ground to cover today. Next week I'm going to be in Michigan for uh, this event called Act Like Men. So I won't be here. Brent will be back off a of sabbatical. He'll be preaching. Um, and we're just so excited about having him back. I got to talk to him last night at wedding rehearsal. That was a blast. And just to see him again. And he's looking great and healthy. And it's awesome. I'm just so excited for him. And for us. John chapter 4, I got a lot of ground to cover. So if you're ready, say, go get it. Go get it. All right, here we go. We're going to go get it. Um, John chapter uh, 4, verse 43. That's where we kind of left off last time. We're just on a journey with Jesus through the book of John. Verse 43. After the two days, he departed for Galilee. Now, the next verse is a parenthesis, and in order to understand it, I think you have to have a little bit more information. So I'm going to go back up and pick up verse 42. They said, the Samaritan said to the woman, it is no longer because what you said that we believe. <laughs> Prophet's not without honor except for his own hometown. It's not about you. It's not about your message. For we have heard for ourselves, and we know what is indeed, that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Now, Back down to verse 44. For Jesus himself had testified, he'd spoken it many times, obviously, to his disciples, that a prophet has no honor in his hometown. That's hard. Rochester's my hometown. I don't know where your hometown is. I don't know what your family's like, but we'll get into it in a second. It's hardest at home. Then verse 45, so when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too had gone to the feast. So that's the reason they welcomed him, is because he'd done some signs and miracles in Jerusalem. Okay, flip over real quick in your Bible. I know you just got to John. Put your finger there. Flip over to Mark chapter 6. This is stated two times in the Gospels, once in Matthew chapter 13, 
but it's clearest here in Mark chapter 6. So I don't want to just read it for you from Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. He, Jesus, went away from there and came to his hometown. His hometown is Nazareth. And his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where, where did this man get these teachings, these things? What, what is the wisdom given to him? And how are such mighty works done by his hands? Just to continue on that hands thing, he says, is this not the carpenter? This is what he does with his hands. He, he, makes, he made my table. <laughs> Those chairs right there? Yeah, that's, that's from him. Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. It's hard. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. And he could not do, he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. It's like, well, that was pretty mighty. What was he doing if that's all he could do? That's crazy. Jesus. And he marveled because of their unbelief. He marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about among the villages teaching. So, back to John chapter 4. In John chapter 4, it also says, at the end there in verse 5, that the Galileans welcomed him. You're like, hey... If he's a prophet's not without honor except for in his hometown, like why were they welcoming him? Now I want to remind you what we already read in chapter 2. So a little context required. In chapter 2, I'll put it up on the screen. Chapter 2, verse 23 through 25. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, this is Jesus, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing but Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man. For he himself knew, because he created us, what was in man. He was there when Adam and Eve sinned the first time and turned their back. He was there when Noah was getting drunk right after he started over with Noah, right? He knows what's in man. He knows our propensity to give up, right? To be fickle. He knows. Go ahead, say that to your neighbor. He knows. I mean, do you, do you believe that? I mean, Jesus absolutely knows what you're going through right now. It says in Hebrews that he was tempted like we are, yet without sin. People are like, well, but he couldn't sin, right? He was God. He couldn't sin. Well, let me ask you this. Josh is a weightlifter. Josh lifts weights that I can't lift, right? So if I was going to deadlift, don't do that. I have a bad back. But if I was going to, you know, boom, you know, or maybe clean and jerk something, I'd be like, whoop, and I get it to here, and I'm like, can't get it up, right? And I have to drop it. That was heavy. Oh. But is it heavier for me, the one that dropped it, or is it heavier for the one that gets like all the weight and he's like, right? And he, and he can hold it up there. See, Jesus held it up there. Sin, yeah, not a problem. But it's not like it was like, oh, that was easy. No, it was hard for Jesus not to sin, right? It was hard. He had to hold that up. But he could do it because he was God. We can't. Falls down all the time. And what's worse about that, since we're sinners, is around the people that are closest to us, they see who we are. They see the hypocrisy. They see the stuff that, well, 
that's not who you really are. It's hardest at home. All right, so let me make the point this way. Do you have any family members that are unsaved? Isn't it true, right, that reaching family or maybe close friends, people that you've known since you're five, right, with the gospel of Jesus is so hard. I have this, uh, well, I had, she passed, but I had this aunt, Ruth. And uh, our family, there's a lot of believers in our family, at least allegedly, right? No, we don't know. Um, but there was a lot of people that knew Christ and went to church and did all the right stuff. But uh, Ruth, you know, she was kind of the black sheep of the family, right? And um, so we would pray for her. We would share the gospel with her. We would, my mom must have shared the gospel with her hundreds of times. I don't know if she ever accepted Christ. But isn't it true it's always hardest at home? Right? It's like the people that you're closest to, they just don't get it, right? Your spouse, if you have an unbelieving spouse, that's where it's hard. Your parents, if you have parents that don't believe the same way you do, they can't understand why you got baptized. They can't understand what you're doing. It's hard. Your siblings, you got to go eat Christmas dinner or Thanksgiving dinner with them, go to Easter with them. Like, that's hard. Sometimes it's hard to show up. Your kids, if you have unbelieving kids, it's hard. Friends, too. It's all hard. So here's the thing. No honor in your hometown or around the people that you're closest to. No honor, right? It's hardest where people know you best. Am I being clear with that? I think I've said it like five times, three different ways. It's hardest where people know you best. So what do I do with that? Here's the point. When it's really hard, I will keep showing up like Jesus. Jesus kept coming back to Nazareth. Jesus kept coming back to Galilee. Jesus kept coming back to that region. His major ministry was in that region. How hard was that? Jesus didn't run away. He didn't shrink back from when it was hard. He pressed in. He pressed on. He had a mission, and so do we. So our mission is to go, right, with the gospel, to baptize, right? We're going to make disciples of Jesus Christ. We're going to teach them all that we have understood and all that God's given us. And Jesus is with us to the end of the age, right? That's our mission. You got to show up with that again. Next time you have a family function, next time it's a hard spot, next time your friend doesn't quite get why you go to church rather than go to the cabin with them, next time whatever you fill in the blank. Just show up again. That's all you can do. And that's what Jesus did. Just show up again. Show up with the love and light of Jesus Christ again in their life. Just be there. In the spirit that God's given you, just show up when it's hard. When it's hard to set up, Abe, I see you. You just, you just show up, right? When it's hard to take down the church, nobody knows people are taking down the church. Nobody knows it just doesn't just like shrink back and go in a box, right? When it's hard, just show up again, right? Just do it again for God's glory. And uh, that's what Jesus did. Matter of fact, you know what? Jesus showed up again this morning. He shows up in your life every morning. His mercies are new every morning. His going forth is as sure as the dawn, right? When the sun comes up, and I, it's coming up earlier, <laughs> so I get out of my garage and I'm like, oh, there it is. Okay, God, thank you for showing us you're here again today. He just keeps showing up, and we need that. We need that. He's faithful. Let's do the same thing Jesus has taught us to do, right? Even when it's hard or when you feel helpless, keep showing up. All right, that leads me to the second point. When I feel helpless, 
I will keep believing in Jesus. When I feel helpless, I will keep believing in Jesus. Let me read the passage, verse 46. So when he came again to Cana in Galilee, there he made uh, the water into wine, right? Remember that miracle from chapter 2? And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went, a lot of action words here, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Pretty helpless. So Jesus said to him, unless you, that's plural, you all, unless you all, unless everybody in this room, Unless everybody listening to him that day, unless you all see signs and wonders, you will not believe. John chapter 2, we already read it. The official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. All I, care, I don't care about signs and miracles. All I care about is you, just you. I want to be with you. I want you to be with me. I want you to come with me. Please, right now, come. <laughs> I'm helpless without you. That's good. That's a good place to be. Come down before he dies. Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. The man believed the word, underline that, the word, the word. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. And he was going down, as he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. Whoa, miracle. So he asked. He didn't do cartwheels. He didn't jump up and down. He asked them. He asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, 7 p.m., the fever left him. You ever had that moment? Bed soaked, water drenched, right? Got to change clothes. The fever broke. That's where he was at. At the seventh hour, you could tell that's when it happened. The father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. He's like, instantaneous miracle. Woo! What just happened? And he himself believed and all his household. He told his story. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. Now, the point is, when I feel helpless, I will keep believing in Jesus. So, you got you to gotta understand this. So, so I'm going to throw a map up. You got to understand, I know we've had this map a few times, but just look at it. Okay, so he came from Jerusalem down here in Judea through Sychar. We've been spending a lot of time there in Samaria with the woman at the well. And he came through Nazareth. Do you see it there? On his way to Canaan. Okay? And do you see where Capernaum is? That's 20 miles plus. 20 to 25 miles. This guy, this official, wasn't hopeless, but he was helpless. He, he's an official. He has money. He has means. He spent all the money. Every doctor Every God prayed to, everything, and he hears about Jesus, right? Jesus must be famous if he's hearing about him from 20, 25 miles away. Jesus is close. Jesus is in the country. Jesus is in the region. And in a moment of, this is the last straw. I'm helpless. This is all I can do. I'm dependent on this one chance. He calls Jesus on his cell phone. No. He had to go find him. He went walking. Where's Jesus? Have you heard about Jesus? Do you know what town he's in? Keep walking. Keep walking. Keep walking. Did he know it was going to be 20-some miles? It ended up being 20-some miles. That's a day's journey. Helpless to find some kind of person to heal his son. 
makes me think of a couple situations in my life. Um, I think of birth. There's a lot of kids being born in our church right now. It's kind of cool, isn't it? It's like every week you come back. Here, this week, all right? We're going to do it. Every week you come back, there's a new carrier. And it's so fun. But uh, that brings back memories of our, uh, my wife, we've had no kids. My wife has had five kids. Let's be clear. My wife has had five children, and she looks amazing, by the way. Um, but the fourth was a girl, our only girl, and that makes you a little weird. Don't want to lose this one. God take anything but not this one, right? And you just don't want to get in that spot where you have an idol, right? And I remember we were in the delivery room, and they lost the heartbeat. Boom, 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 boom. Boom, boom. It's like, bah. And um, on your right, on your left, hands and knees. You know, it's like 10 people in the room. We're going for a C-section now. Ah! Helpless. If you weren't helpless at every birth, men, that will make you extremely helpless, right? It's like, what is happening? I am not in control. That's the feeling. I remember that feeling not just that time, but when Quinn was born, our fifth, <laughs> um, we didn't know this, but he had Down syndrome. And so he was born, he didn't look like our kids, and by the way, that didn't really matter to me because he was blue and he wasn't breathing. I'm like, ah, what just happened? And so they bagged him and they got him breathing, but by God's grace, and um, he's healthy and fine, he's six years old, you can enjoy him every day, his smile, it's kind of cool. But it was a moment of helplessness. God, what's going on? This isn't our plan. This isn't what we thought. This isn't, you know, this is just helpless. I don't know what to do with this. You ever, you ever been in that spot? That situation? Maybe in business, right? And you're just like, this is helpless. I don't know what to do with this. I'm telling you, it's out of our hands. I can't see it changing. So stop trying to change it, right? Stop trying to control it. We, we covered that a couple weeks ago. Give up control, right? Stop trying to change it. And, and let God do it. Trust God. Right? It sounds so contrite. Believe in Jesus. Trust God. But it is the thing that we base everything on. Our very salvation, eternity, is in this faith, this trust that we will see Jesus face to face one day. That every knee will bow and every tongue confess whether willingly or forced. So Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, a verse that I know has been special to Ed, and I've been thinking about it a lot lately too, is trust in the Lord, right? Lean not on to your own understanding, King James Version. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. You've got to trust God. Get to that health, helpless spot, you got to trust God. So let me ask you this. Where do you feel helpless right now? Like, man, I didn't want you to go there because I kind of left that at the door. I was just hoping to have a good time and just check the box on church. No, no, we're going to do business today. Bring it on in with you and leave it here. That's what we do at church. We bring it into the room. We admit it. We leave it here. We don't have to take it with us. That's what church is about. Church is not about putting a mask on leaving your sin outside and then coming back to it. That is the opposite of church. Church is bring your stuff, the things you feel helpless about, leave it here at Jesus' feet and go live in freedom, trusting God. That's what church is all about. So where do you feel helpless right now? Bring it here. You know that boulder that dropped in your week, uh, in your life this week? Bring it here. That's kind of how salvation works, isn't it? Remember that moment when you're like walking along, I'm too sexy for my shirt? And then you're like, boom! The name on the boulder can change. For me, it was pornography. What was it for you? 
when you were like, I need to repent, I need Jesus, I'm helpless to do this, I'm a sinner. Maybe it's the death of a loved one. Maybe it's your family. They won't, they won't accept Christ and you're like, I'm helpless. Here's what you need to know, just, just real quick. There's three things. It's kind of like uh, the way things go. <laughs> they go in order. Here's three things. First, the word promised, right? We talked about that. This is the word and it's promised. This is what's going to happen. Jesus spoke. He said, here's what's going to happen. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke. Do you believe the word that Jesus speaks? This is God's word. Do you believe this to be true? The word promised. Okay? Spoken over you. The word believed, that's the middle. And then the word fulfilled. Here's what you need to know. We're in the word believed. Jesus did what he was going to do, promised all he was going to promise. It's in. We are now in the season, the church age, of believing those promises, walking by faith that God is going to do what he said he did, will do, that one day we're going to see him in eternity, that one day it's all going to work out. And then the word will be fulfilled. Right? We know it. If theologically, we know it's already fulfilled. <laughs> Jesus is already at the right hand of God. It's already done. He's the king of the universe. It's just practically on this earth, that hasn't practically come to pass yet for us. So we're in this middle zone where it's like, this is hard. I feel helpless. But Jesus says it's amazing, so I trust him. Every word, every word. Let me throw our theme verse for the whole study of the book of John up right now. Just keep this in mind, John 20, 30 through 31. This is the theme verse of all of John. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples. Is that why they, he believed? They believed? No. Which are not written in this book. But these, these ones that he wrote down are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life, eternal life, in his name. That's awesome. That's why John wrote the book of John. That's why we're studying the book of John, so that you don't have to walk out of here in unbelief. Well, I don't know if I can trust God. Well, you could trust him, even if you're helpless today. You don't know what to do in a situation? You can trust him. Believe in Jesus again today. All right. Every word will be fulfilled by Jesus, but we haven't experienced that yet. By faith, we believe. We have this hope in eternal life that way. So, I'll give you the three points really quick again. Our, on our journey with Jesus, never give up. That's the point of the message. On our journey with Jesus, never give up. When it's really hard, I'm going to keep showing up like Jesus does. When I feel helpless, I will keep believing in Jesus. Right? He's believing in me. Right? And then this last point. Let's read the rest of it. John chapter 5. I told you I was going to cover a lot of ground. Did you believe me? I'm going to cover a lot of ground. All right, here we go. John chapter 5, I'm going to read 1 through 17. Strap up. Who wants to stand for the reading of the Word of God? You're like, no. All right, here we go. After this, so not necessarily the next day, right, but after this, and he's, he's not just saying this because it's like in chronological order. He's saying this because he's trying to make an argument. He's trying to prove a point. Believe in Jesus, right? So after this, here's the next argument. Here's the next thing you need to know. Right? After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, map up here again, please. Okay, so we put the map up here. I love that we have people serving us and doing this stuff. 
It's like magically appears. It's so awesome. Thank you. Um, so there's the map. Does Jerusalem look up to you? No, because we read maps flat. They're talking about this way, right? So it's higher. We have to walk uphill to get there. So we're going up to, okay, because they're walking, right? So that's why he says up to. It's higher in elevation. So, good, thank you. Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate, the gate where the sheep come in. Yeah, that's the sheep gate. A pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. So just think of five tents, okay? Where people could get some shade from the sun. In these tents lay a multitude, many, of invalids. A lot of people who are invalids. Invalid. Invalid. That's crazy. Blind. Lame. Paralyzed. They can't see. They can't walk. They can't move. How many of you guys are reading from the ESV? Raise your hand. How many of you guys are reading from another version? Raise your hand. Okay, so I do have to explain this then. If you're all reading from the ESV, we'd be fine. But if you're reading from the New American Standard Bible or the New King James, there's a, we're going to deviate here a little bit. And I don't want you to like not trust your Bible. So just to explain that, it's called textual criticism. Okay? It's like, should it be in, should it not? It deals with manus- manuscripts and oldest manuscripts and authentic- authenticity, all this stuff. There's people older, wiser than us, have done all this research to figure this all out. And you need to know this. I'm just going to say it. I'm not going to prove it to you. You can go study it. You need to know that the amount of manuscripts we have and the amount of time between when the original was written and the copies we have available are so short, better than any other book in history. So valid, right? But you get to something like this, maybe 10, 15 times in the New Testament, you'll have something like this where it's like, should we put the verse in? Should we not put the verse in? I don't know. And then each translation picks it. And then you have different varying things, right? And none of them are dealing with doctrine. None of them are dealing with salvation. Let's just be clear. Right? So you can have good, firm, um, can hold this. It's the inspired word of God. This is the word of God spoken to you. That's why I read it every day. All right. Look for verse 4 in your Bible. Who has verse 4 in their Bible? Everybody that doesn't have ESV. <laughs> only a few, actually. There's only four of you. Okay. Somebody read verse 4 out loud, as loud as you can, because I don't have it in my Bible. Perfect. Okay, so there was this like angelic thing happen on, happening where the water in the pool of Bethesda would get stirred up. Bubbles? Just think bubbles. Think like hot tub. All of a sudden it was hot tub. It's like first one in gets healed. Woo! And that's what was happening. I guess. I wasn't there. But that's what it says. One Man, verse 5, was there that had been an invalid for 38 years. Now, that's not a big deal to us, but it's a big deal to him. And the life expectancy of a person in this day and age was 40 years. That's a long time. 38 years he was paralyzed, lame, blind, all of the above. When Jesus saw him lying there, and knew, Jesus knows, right, that he had been there already for a long time. He said to him, Jesus engaged him. He saw him, he knew him, he spoke to him. Thank you, Jesus. Here's what he said. Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, 
Yes, I want to be healed. No, he said, sir, I have no one to put me into the water, the pool. When the water is stirred up, see that, stirred up, that's, the verse makes sense. When the water is stirred up, and while I am going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, this is just the sovereignty of God. Do you see any faith on the part of the man? No. I don't, I don't even know, I don't believe he was even saved. This is just like God going, bam, I'm going to show you something cool right now. Sovereignty coming out of me. He says, get up. Enough of the excuses, right? Get up, take up your bed, and walk. Okay. And at once, the man was healed. So if you got healed and you're laying down, what would you do? Get up! Take up your bed and walk. And so he did. And he took up his bed and walked. That's what I would have done if I was laying there and I was like, I'm healed. <laughs> now that day was the Sabbath. We'll come back to this next week or, or two weeks from now. But the Sabbath, this is the big deal. So the Jews, the Jewish religious leaders said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. That actually wasn't true. They added 39 laws. Religiosity reigns. Yuck. But he answered them. More excuses. The man who healed me. That man said to me, take up your bed and walk. I'm just, I'm just doing what he said. What, was he just going to lay there? Was he just going to lay there? Like, really? Dude, come on, man. They asked him, who is this man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Because he's in trouble. Now the man who had been healed did not know. I have that underlined in my Bible because I'm so astounded. You could be healed from a disease, an affliction, 38 years, and you don't know who healed you? What is wrong with you? Grow a bone in your body that has a detail of something. Be appreciative. That's ridiculous. But it's true. What the Bible says, didn't know who it was. For Jesus had withdrawn. And there was a crowd in the place who healed him, spoke to him. Was he blind? Spoke to him. Didn't know who it was. But he got up and he walked. All right. Here's what happens. Verse 14. Afterward, after this had all happened, Jesus found him. Jesus saw him. Jesus knew him. Jesus said to him. And Jesus found him. Jesus is seeking you. He found him in the temple and said to him, why in the temple? He was doing the religious things he had to do to be clean and said to him, see, do you see? You are well. Sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. What could be worse than being blind, lame, or paralyzed? Being separate from Jesus Christ is worse. That's what's worse. Not spending eternity with Jesus. That's worse. The man, what does it say? What does it say he did? He went away. Are you serious right now? 38 years you laid there. And a guy healed you. And he came and found you? Follow him. You got nothing better to do with your life right now? Follow him. Did the guy learn nothing from 38 years of hardship? Do we, knew, do we learn nothing from the hard things in our life? From the hopeless situations in our life? Or are they tests that are made to sanctify us so that we can be different in Jesus' name. We'll get to that in a second. 
the man went away and told the Jews. He narked on him. He like squealed on him. He's like, over here, that's the guy that did it. He's the one that broke the law, not me. Crazy. This is so, this just gets worse. All right. So he, he tells, he tells on him. He told the Jews it, that it was Jesus who had healed him. Obviously, he'd heard about Jesus. Now that he knows it's him that healed him, he's like, oh, that guy. And this was why the Jews, the religious leaders, were persecuting Jesus. You're going to see from now till he dies, the religious leaders are now persecuting Jesus. Ongoing. Because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. Really? That's it? Just because he was like breaking your 39 man-made laws? That sounds like preference to me. Get a grip. Don't make it all about religion, guys. We're in a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not about religion. Okay, here it is. But Jesus answered them. Jesus answers the Pharisees. Here's what he says. My father is working until now. He's saying this on the Sabbath, by the way. <laughs> and I am working. Maybe underline the two words. I am. He's getting after something, and he's going to continue to get after it. He's going to start saying to them, hey, you, don't, you shouldn't have a problem with me about the Sabbath thing. I'm God. They're going to go from, hey, you're breaking the law, Sabbath, to like you're blaspheming. You're saying you're God when you're not. And we all know, because we have the rest of the story, he was God. He rose from the dead, and it's amazing. Let me get to the point really quick. It's a lot to read. Thank you for bearing with me. Number three. When it seems hopeless, I will keep looking to Jesus. 38 years. How long would it take you or me to give up? How many of those years would you be like, it ain't happening? Bubbles or no bubbles in the pool, angel or no angel, stirring or no stirring, it ain't happening. And the longer it goes, the more you're in the dumps, right? Like it can never happen. I know this from back history, right? Seven years, well, 15, I just counted up, 14. Um, but seven years, the last seven years, it's like, God heal me, God heal me, God heal me, God heal me. Please heal me, Lord, right? And the longer you go, the less you believe God can heal you. Confession in church. I understand, I relate, maybe you do too. Maybe you've come to a spot where the duration of the trial, the duration of the thing you're facing is so hard. It's so long. The duration matters. It's, it's not knowing when it will be over. That is the hardest thing, right? If you knew two years, no more back problems. You could suffer for two years. But if you don't know when it's going to end, that's hard. If you don't know how long this is going to be, it makes you hopeless. You lose hope. When did it settle in for him that it was never going to happen? I'm never going to be healed. I'm never going to get better. When was that? How about for you guys? When did that settle in for you? That sin I'm dealing with, it's not, it's not going away. God's never going to take it away from me. I'm never going to have victory over it. That physical ailment I have, that relationship that's not working out so well for me right now, it's never coming back. Jesus says to him, it may feel insensitive to you. He's saying it to you today too. I hope I can say it with sensitivity. But it's the right question for every one of us today. Do you want to be healed? Because we have a God who is a great physician. He's a healer. Do you even want to be healed? Are we talking about physical or spiritual now? Do you even want to change? Do you even want to be healed? 
do you even want this relationship you have with Jesus or church anymore? Has your problems, your situation become so familiar that you're so comfortable that who cares about holiness anymore? I'm just happy where I'm at. I've had to wrestle with that this week. I don't want to be comfortable. I don't want to start making excuses. See, that's what he did, isn't it? Verse 7. He just started making excuses. Well, it's hard to have hope, Jesus. You know, this happens, and then this happens, and then this happens, and then this happens, and this never happens, right? I'm never going to get it because everybody else is doing what they're doing. Excuse, excuse, excuse. It's hard to have hope. It's easier to doubt. Correct? It's correct. Naturally, our default position is we easily criticize when we lose hope in people. We easily complain when we lose hope in our circumstance. And we easily doubt when we lose hope in God. That's easy. It's the hard thing to do to have any kind of hope, to look to Jesus, our Lord and Savior, and say, God, you got to do this. So I want you to be encouraged. I'm not going to go read this, but go read this. Did you know Psalm is, is actually, it's 150 chapters, but it's actually five books. Did you know that? No, okay. You're going to go read the second book of Psalm, all right? So it starts in chapter 42. You can read chapter 42 and 43. That's good. Done. But if you, like, fall in love with reading it because it's giving you hope, keep reading, right? Keep reading. It's so awesome. But just start at chapter 42 of Psalm and read. Who's written that down? You got it? You got it? Write it down. Come on now. Chapter 42 of Psalm and read 43, hope in the Lord. All right. If your situation seems hopeless and you're here today, you may have a situation like that. If it seems hopeless, maybe you've lost hope. What is it that you long to see God do? What is it that you've asked God to do and he hasn't done yet? Maybe it's save a relative, right? You got to go show up again with the gospel. Maybe it's take a physical ailment. Maybe it's, God, just please change me. I don't want to sin anymore, right? Like this sin issue, this habitual thing, it's got to go. Yes, I want to be healed. I want to be healed today. I'm leaving it here. I'm done with that. You look right down, it says, sin no more. He says, see you are well. Sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. You can spend eternal life with Christ. Stop the unbelief. Stop the religious rituals. Stop whining because you're being persecuted for Jesus Christ's sake. Of course you're being persecuted for Jesus Christ's sake. Jesus said we would suffer, right? But we don't want to be suffering for our own sin, 1 Peter 4. We want to be suffering for the name of Jesus. And he ends with, my father is working until now and I am working. So I want to close with Hebrews chapter 12. Go ahead and flip over there because I want you to mark it so you can read the rest of the chapter later today. Um, Or you can just stay and read it right here because it's really awesome. Hebrews chapter 4. Go to the right. Keep going. Not quite to the end. Hebrews chapter did I say 4? 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Look it up real quick. He gets the end of Hebrews and he says, therefore Hebrews 11 is this chapter on faith, believing in Jesus. And then he says, once you have this faith to believe, look up. Right, here it is. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which, so, which clings to us so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. That's life, guys. That's life. That's our race. 
our journey with Jesus, it's set before us. Look at verse 2, underline in your Bible, looking to Jesus. When it seems hopeless, I will look to Jesus. Looking to Jesus, the founder, he's the one that saved me. And the perfecter, he's the one that's sanctifying me of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him. I want you to think about him today. Who endured for sinners and from sinners such hostility. He died on a cross against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Don't give up. In your struggle against sin, and it is a battle, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your own blood. Only Jesus Christ's blood has been shed for you. Maybe just take a minute. Close your eyes, bow your head. Not because I want to get crazy with you, but because I want you to focus on Jesus. All right? Just you and him. No looking around, just you and him. I want you to think about this. Look to Jesus for help, and you will never give up on this journey with Jesus. That's a true statement. If you look to Jesus for help, even though it may seem hopeless walking in, you will never give up on this journey with Jesus. Man, that's a good word for somebody today. If it's hard, if you're feeling helpless, if it seems hopeless, or maybe if you just want to praise God that none of that's true in your life today, I'm going to invite you now as we sing. We're going to have people here to pray with you, over you, for you. Or you can just come kneel stand or lay on your face before God and pray. And we're going to commit as a church or we're going to commit as individuals to never give up on this journey with Jesus.